Thrive Leadership Podcast in three, two, cue music. This is the Thrive Leadership Podcast. It's a place to connect you to nationally acclaimed leaders, their insights, and ideas on how to help you thrive in every area of your life. On today's episode, Duck Dynasties, Willie and Corey Robertson. We tell our kids, oh, we want you to be compassionate, we want you to be generous, but we spend all our time and our energy striving for the things the world values, like our success and our career and our home and our car and all those things. So are we really showing them what we really value? Are we living what we say we value? Now your hosts, Brad Lominick and CJ Alvarado. Welcome back to the Thrive Leadership Podcast. I am your host, Brad Lominick, beside, in front of, standing next to CJ Alvarado. Good to see you, Brad. It's good to be here. That's my best duck call impersonation. It's pretty... Good. Right, listen, I'm a duck hunter. You are. You're a hunter. I did grow up hunting and okay. uh, have shot me a many a ducks out of the skies. Been on many a duck hunts. Okay. So I feel like that our guests today, Willie and Corey Robertson. They resonate with you at deep levels. They resonate from a redneck side, from <laughs> a duck hunting, from, you know, the sort of growing up in the outdoors. Yeah. These are my people. The closest I've ever gotten to hunting, just being from San Fran, is shooting stray cats. That's what we call the city hunter. The city hunter. You're the city hunter. That sounds like a little movie or something. It is. City nice. hunter coming to a theater near you. <laughs> CJ Alvarado <laughs> takes on the stray cats of San Francisco. That's right. Where? Willie and Corey Robertson. And Corey Robertson was planned to be here at Thrive Conference as a speaker. And Willie just sort of tagged along. Awesome surprise. Yeah. That's what you get when you come to Thrive. That's what you're missing, people. That's right. You got to If you're not coming to Thrive Conference, you're missing out on the surprises of here comes Willie Robertson just sort of showing up with his wife being a part of the interview. I mean, people are just here. They're just here. When you're around leaders, leaders want to be around leaders. That's right. Remember that one, folks. Put that one on your mirror and and recite that five times every morning. (laughs) Our grand pooba. The man in charge, mm-hmm. Ray Johnston, the senior pastor, the bishop, he got to sit down with Corey and Willie for a great conversation during Thrive Conference. And we thought, because here's what we are, CJ, we are men of the people. Mm. We are leading the tribe here. And we went in and we fought, we negotiated, we scratched and clawed. We're and the said, Caleb and Joshua. Exactly. We said, listen, we have to get this interview out to the Thrive Leadership Podcast world. Right. So you're in store for what turned into a very entertaining conversation. Yeah, you know, a lot of people are trying to figure out, here's the cool thing about leadership, and and they get into it a bit. A lot of people are trying to figure out, how do you instill good kindness, strength into your family? How do you do that? Everybody wants that. How do you do it? And then Ray and his brilliant self just takes it to some funny levels. So I'm excited for people to hear this. So let's get to it. This is uh, Ray Johnson interviewing Corey and Willie Robertson. The famed couple, part of the Duck Dynasty dynasty. Here you go. (laughs) Here you go. Welcome to Thrive, people that actually don't need an introduction. If you have a TV or the internet or any magazine, you know who they are. And uh, these people have been in the public spotlight and done that in a very God-honoring way. Would you welcome, right now, Willie and Corey Robertson. take you on the road with me everywhere. First of all, thank you for being here. Wouldn't you all agree? 
We're glad you're here. I have the privilege of firing a whole bunch of questions at you guys. And the first one is this. We're going to do a little Robertson test here, okay? I'm going to... One second. I wasn't supposed to be here, okay? Corey was <laughs> supposed true. to be here. All right? And so she called and she said, Willie, I'm going to be in Sacramento. I think it'd be a great idea if you'd come to Sacramento and, and we can talk together. And I said, yes, of course. And you never know how God works and you never know what he's got in store for you. I'm going to tell you all, a while ago, I just ate about five pounds of Makuni sushi. Oh, yeah. And I know why I was supposed to be here. It was to eat that fish. <laughs> I ain't kidding. Yes, I, I came to Bayside last year and just yep. loved it and just was like, this is the best church. You have to come out with me. And actually how I got him here, I told him Bob Goff was going to be here. So he was like, all right, I'm coming. I should have, I should have said, told him about the sushi too. That would have that got him here. That's right. And so People Magazine, I'm going to put a cover on there. Here we go. Oh, this is part of an article they, uh, in Us Magazine. And 25 things you didn't know. So we've done a little research on both of you. And we are going to give you facts about them and let you guess which one is not true. Y'all ready? Here we go. So, for example, in elementary school, Corey, you'd get dressed the night before and sleep in your clothes because you wanted extra sleep. <laughs> Willie, here we go, you dressed as a teen wolf for Halloween one year. Remember that movie, Teen Wolf? <clears throat> he was, like, perfect. He wore the little basketball uniform. It was great. <laughs> Next, the, um, for your entire fourth grade year, you only wore sweatsuits, and Willie... You wanted to be a professional bowler, <laughs> New Orleans. Okay, next. Uh, you were in the Kenny Rogers fan club when you were a kid, and Willie, you had a candy and gum selling business out of your locker in the fifth grade. Very successful one, too. <clears throat> Corey, you had three wrecks your first year of driving, and Willie, you still wear the kilt. How many of you remember him wearing a kilt? In the, you still wear that kilt in public. Okay, Corey, we have two more for you. You're really good at ping pong and Galaga. And, number, Willie, you were months mistaken as a homeless, you've been mistaken as a homeless person more than once. <clears throat> and you once, Corey, spilled beer on the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Chaff of the United States moments before the State of the Union address. Yell out, which one of those is not true? I want to say number six, like, how would you make that one up as just a, you know, that, that one looks like... The it's one the that is not true is this. And we think we know why. Here's a picture. So... Um, now, what's interesting is this. You've had a chance to meet some pretty amazing people. Uh, matter of fact, you just met couple presidents in pretty rapid succession. And, and both of them turned out to be eventful encounters. Yeah. The, uh, so the first time, uh, actually, there's another little small story with the, we met uh, George W. Bush, and I just met this young actor that was on Parks and Rec named Chris Pratt. And I, <laughs> true story. And I looked at Chris and I said, good to meet you, buddy. You want to go meet the president? And he was like, heck yeah. So... Chris Pratt and I met George W. Bush at the same time, and we had just met each other at a hunting show. Uh, that was a true story. The other one happened when we were invited to the uh, White House Correspondents' Dinner 
it's the funny one, you know, where they do the stuff. And so we're walking in and there's, you know, there's... We were in the car on the way there yeah. and I was talking to my mom and she was like so excited, you know, that we were there. And I was telling mom, I was like, we're going to get to meet the president. And Willie overhears me on the phone and... And I'm like, we're not meeting the president. There's like 4,000 people. This is not a meet and greet. I, I envisioned it like this line <laughs> that like we'd all go through and like shake his hand. And I had like envisioned how this was all going to go down. And like we were going to meet the president because we were going to dinner with him. And Willie was like, no, we're not going to meet the president. Like there's tons of people there. And Corey's like, okay, we're not meeting the president, but I thought we were. So we walk in the front door at this thing. And it's like the who's who of everybody and us. And we walk in like... Oh, by the way... Willie's pants didn't fit. I mean, Why would we, that's not part of the story. That's what the, <coughs> that's his, what the kilt pants, is for. That he should have bought the kilt. His pants were too small, so he I had to wear I told the story a lot times I've never mentioned. In fact, I forgot that my pants were... You had to Carol, wear this sounds like us. Everyone else was in tux. I had to wear jeans. jeans because my pants were, didn't fit, so... <laughs> Ah, uh, you can't. That's the problem with Taylor's. You just can't get a good one. So look. <laughs> so we walk in the door. This dude comes up, earpiece, right towards us. And I thought, I was there. we're getting kicked out. And he said, Mr. Ms. Robertson, the president would like to meet you. And Corey says, I told you. I told you he's meeting the president. <laughs> so we go back. There's like a dungeon back there. Like, in all these little corridors, and we pop in there, and there's and we're there's a little receiving line. It's like Nicole Kidman and you know Conan O'Brien's behind us, and so we file in line. And I walk up, and he goes, Willie and Corey, and he goes, Man, we watched Duck Dynasty on Air Force One. I'm like, <laughs> Really? And and Michelle was super nice. I thought about like the show. Yeah. And, so it was crazy. I was like, man, that just happened. And uh, so a few, years, a few years later, I get invited to the uh, State of the Union, okay? Which <laughs> this is, is where Corey spills where the beer. Where I'll spill beer on the chairman. On the chairman. So before, before the State of the Union, they had this little reception at the top that's like really fancy with like violinists and like they had, they had beer in like champagne glasses, which I was like, that doesn't, I mean, they'll spill. But anyway... So um, they have beer and champagne glasses. So it was not my beer, but it was on one of those tall tables, and it was like a tall beer. And I had never met the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, but Willie had been on a USO tour with him, and so he was good friends with him. And I was, and he was like in his dress blues. He looked so nice, and his wife was there, and I'd never met him. You know how you're kind of nervous about meeting somebody, and I don't know, like, am I? Are we gonna like do the handshake or the hug, or, like handshake or hug? And so. I go for the handshake, and he goes for the hug, and so then it got awkward. So then I hugged, and I knocked over the beer that was behind him, and it spilled all down his back. I mean, look, literally, this is like moments before we go out. And the whole time he's sitting on that front row, I mean, on the front row, right there by, like, all the Supreme Court justices, and I'm thinking, he smells like a brewery. Everyone's probably like, oh, I felt so bad. It was horrible. It was horrible. <coughs> So then we go, we go into the State of the Union, and this is the one where that takes them like 45 minutes just to get from the back door to the front. Yeah, and you I, told me it's like... It's, it's like, yeah, watch it on TV and fast forward and go to other stuff. So <laughs> we're up in like the top, just like this, and we're up in the top, and uh, I don't know if you remember, but it was kind of, it, it actually made Saturday Night Live that the Senate, there was people coming up, and they were getting photos with us, and it was kind of cool, and so the president gets through talking, he leaves, and so someone comes up and says, hey, Willie, you want to, like, tour the floor? You can walk around. All the 
international prayer. Everybody's still up top. And I'm like, yeah. So I come strolling out on the floor. You know, the president was just there. I get behind the deal and tap the gavel, you know. And I'm like, this, this is basically you getting to do anywhere. this, all right? Like, so I'm going to walk around. And so they're showing me all around this joint. And so I go to leave, and they said, oh, sorry, uh, you can't leave. Uh, you can't get on the elevator, a police officer said, because the president's still in the building. So if he's still in the building, you can't leave. I was like, oh, that's cool. So I turn around and look, and I kid you not, right up the hallway, here comes the president and the whole entourage right towards me. And I thought, I wonder if you're remembering me from the, from the deal, you know? And uh, so he's walking up there, and he goes, Willie! And he gives me a big bear hug. Now, the Secret Service guy, I don't believe I'd ever watched our show because he looked very cautious. <laughs> very, like at any moment, like I was going to get the beat down of my life. And the president comments on that, uh, Michelle. And Michelle hugged me and said, thank you for what you've done for our country. I mean, it was just really an cool. awesome moment. It was awesome. And so I turn around and my buddies are like, did that just happen? I'm like, that just happened. And so I looked at the police officer. I said, uh, can I get on the elevator? She said, honey, you can do whatever you want to do now. <laughs> if the president hugs you, you can do whatever you want to do. That's right. Now, this isn't the first time you showed up and somebody said, here's a microphone. Oh, boy. That was your second presidential. Okay, so a little later, uh, uh, <laughs> so, so Trump is running for president, and I go to see Bob Goff in Oklahoma City, and John Luke, my son, is speaking at this uh, thing. And so we go there, and we're having lunch afterwards with the speakers, and somebody said, hey, did you hear that Trump's, he's talking at the, uh, at the state fair? And this was kind of early in his run, and Willie was really intrigued, because he's like, he's a businessman, and kind of intrigued by Trump. I was not so intrigued. Um, I was reading all the tweets to Willie She's every so night. She's so nice. This is a nice version of this yeah. conversation. Yeah. And so, like, every night it would be like, I'd be reading all the tweets. Oh, and yeah. I'm like, are you yeah. kidding me? You and know? every morning, too, you had more for me. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> the more he talked, the more you kept printing stuff off. It was awesome. It was good times. So I'm there, and I said, oh, we got to go see this, you know, because this is, I mean, this may be the one-time deal we want to go see. I want to go see what this is like, and so. He calls me, and it's like, I'm going to go to a Trump rally. I was like, no, don't, don't do it. I'm that. like, you know, you know, we just want to go check it out and uh, see what happens. And uh, so, <laughs> so I actually knew his son, so I ended up, I met him on the RV before, and he's just like he is, and he says, uh, did you want to get up in front and say something? I said, no, 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 I'm in the, I'm in the background, bro. I'm, so I was, so he goes up and I'm hiding like in the stairwell, right? And, um, and, but I know how politicians are like, you know, they they usually say something. We're at the beginning. He doesn't say a word. He goes right into his speech. You know, he's like, oh, China and he's doing all this stuff. And, <laughs> and so I'm hiding and I'm kind of laughing and he, I can't, he's 30 minutes deep in this speech, 30 minutes deep. We're, me and my buddies are like, this is awesome. And he just got, he stops, he goes, where's Willie? <laughs> and like... The blood just went out of my face. And I was hoping to God there was somebody else there named Willie that he knew. And I'm like, it has to be me. I, I've got to be the only Willie here. There's 15,000 people here. And I go, oh, no. Oh, no. And I thought, oh, no. Corey's going to know. I'm going to, like, shoot. How am I going to play this off, you know? And so he goes, where's Willie? And he keeps looking around. So I, like, pop up out of the stairs. I'm like, hey, you know and, Everybody's like, oh, Willie's here, you know, so I walk out, and I go to shake his hand, I was like, oh, good job, Mr. Trump, and I'm, my assistant has shown me this on video multiple times, 
I'm pulling out and go, see guys, and you see me pull right back in. <laughs> we're having this deal like, really, we're going to do this. This was not rehearsed. This was not rehearsed. And he leans up to the mic. He's like, hang on, I got a question for Willie. He said, do you love Trump? Gives me the microphone. <laughs> 15,000 people that really love him. And I'm here right now with a microphone. And I, man, I'm just, my brain is spinning. I'm seeing the television cameras. And I'm going, oh boy, oh boy. When I get home, this is going to be a fun conversation with Corey. <laughs> be a fun conversation for everyone. So I said, uh, I said, well, I tell you what, Mr. Trump, me and you share some stuff in common. We've had a successful television show. I said, we've been fairly successful at business. And we also married people that were way better looking than we are. See you later, Oklahoma City. I'm out of here. <laughs> that was on the spot, Jack. I mean, on the spot. So I got... I love how you complimented me there. So you tried, he tried to like make <laughs> it, was, it better. It was, yeah. it was for you. Like, I was like, how about that great thing I said about you while I have to be there? So my phone just starts just jumping in my pocket, right? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody I know, because I haven't said a word up until this point. And I pulled it out and I'm scrolling through and, and Corey says, did you just endorse Donald Trump? <laughs> 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 we haven't discussed this. So I sent her a photo. He's behind me with his hands on my shoulder, and I'm leaned in with a big Trump sign. I said, no, why would you say that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so here we are now. You know what's funny is sometimes interviewing people is really hard because you have to pry and pry to get them to talk. <laughs> We're halfway done. <laughs> this... We got time. To, that's coffee. right. Eight, eight o'clock tea time. The, um, uh, this is awesome and easy. So I got one more question, and then I'll get into some faith type stuff and marriage. And, uh, and my question is this, because everybody's is Uncle Cy like that in real life? Exactly like that in real life. Maybe even crazier. So I don't know how many watched the finale episode where he, he's retiring and going into a music career. That is real. Like, he loves it. He is, like, really into it. So the other day, he, we were, what were we doing? And he asked you to be his manager oh. in music. Yeah. I mean, he is so into his, it's called, his band is called Psy and the Psychotics. <laughs> you always say, do you think Psy could fake that for that long? I mean, <laughs> you got to be kidding. But he, he is. He's, uh, he's really into music right now. And, he bars in my house one time, wanted me to buy a record label yeah. uh, to produce his music. So he's been yeah. doing this music thing for a while. And, you know, he so learned was, to play guitar on the, with the chord buddy. Yeah. Have y'all seen that chord buddy where it's like, it's got these little like red and green right. and yellow? Yeah. That's how he plays the guitar. Now, that, that's not where he learned. <laughs> he still has the red, he, like it's still on the guitar while he's doing it. How many of you have an Uncle Cy in your family? If, if, how many of you are the Uncle Cy in your family? Yeah. The, um, if you didn't raise your hand, you might be the Uncle Cy no, in your no family. No kidding. Now, let me put a picture up. Family picture. And there we go. Who are we looking at here? Who's in the family? Oh, okay, That's not, uh, brother, this is where it gets weird. That's not our family. That was just for television, okay? So I don't know these children. <laughs> they paired us up. <laughs> no. We had Actually, international, we had all kind of stuff going on. 
That's an old picture. We have added a son since then. We adopted a son named Rowdy this last year. And um, yeah, he was 12 years old when he came to our family. And, um, so we now have six children, which is crazy. I never dreamed that we would have six children, but you know, God has bigger plans than all of us. And so, yeah, so the um, oldest is Rebecca, and um, she came from us from Ta- to us from Taiwan when she was 16. She came in as an exchange student and never left. We just, <laughs> she just became ours, and she just got married this last year. She's 27, and we um, own a clothing boutique in town called Duck and Dressing that she runs. And then, oh, I'm, no, that We're was gone. my cheat sheet. So I Have you forgotten? Yeah, I forgot all the kids. <laughs> I like how she needs a visual aid to tell you who our kids are. Well, we got a oh, lot shoot, of them. Oh, shoot, what was the rest of them? Uh, we got a lot of them. So John Luke, and he is married to Mary Kate, and they are in school at Liberty. Yes, they love, we love Liberty. They're doing great. Then Sadie. Um, Sadie just moved to Nashville, and she's doing great. She's speaking. She's not doing college right now. She is doing what she loves and, and following that dream right now. So she did Winter Jam tour. I don't know. Does Winter Jam come out here? Okay. She did that this spring and did like 46 cities, which was awesome, and she loved it. And um, so she's speaking and traveling and doing great things. Yeah, yeah, our worship leader, Lincoln Brewster, did a huge event, and he's doing the worship and the concert, and she was speaking. And he called me, and he said, I know you love these guys. They're daughters, the real deal. So congratulations. I mean, they don't turn out that way accidentally. Way to go. So (laughs) Sadie is, if you haven't, yeah, she's a preacher. Like she gets up there and she brings it and we're like, what? Like that, she's amazing. When she was, we have a video of her when she was five years old and um, she was preaching on the table, standing on our coffee table preaching and I started videoing it and she was like, I don't care if you're a policeman or a jail person, God loves you. And she's just like going at it, just to preaching. And we watched it back when she was older. And after Duck Dynasty had come out, we, um, we were watching this video of her just preaching. And she says, and even if I get famous someday, I will not remember about myself. I will remember God. And we were like, whoa, like what and how? I mean, there was At no, the time, it didn't really seem yeah. like we would be famous. There was no indication. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense now, but then it really no, didn't. Like, it what was, was the deal with famous? Um, a calling God had on our life because we definitely had no indication that we were going to be famous when she was five years old. We, Willie was working at the camp, and I was a children's minister at our church. And yeah, at that point, I was nervous the tornado may hit the trailer kind of famous. I was yeah. like, oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, who out there, raise your hand if you're married. Keep it up if wow. you've ever had a fight or an argument. <laughs> Keep it up if that was on the way here today. Okay? <laughs> Keep it up if it was the guy's fault. Okay, guys, if your hand didn't go up, that was an idiot test. You flunked. The, so here's the uh, Carol and I can uh, disagree on picking out toothpaste. You two are married and just did a reality TV show for a decade. So what in the world did you do to stay sane, keep close to God, keep, and not let that go to your heads or wreck your marriage or family? I guess I'm just so patient. Um, <laughs> it's my weakness, okay? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Actually, we learned patience doing a reality TV show together, that's for sure. That we, I was like, wow, I didn't realize I had an issue with patience until we did a reality television show and you're sitting around like all day, every day, waiting on people and, and all that. But um, we have been married for 25 years. We were, yes. 
we actually thought it was our 25th um, last year. This, you know you've been married a long time when you forget how long you've been married. And so we planned this awesome trip um, to Cabo, and it was like our 25th. It was a big, we had not done like a trip in a, you know, since our 10th anniversary, really. And so we planned this big trip thinking it was our 25th. And then one night, I was like, wait a minute, I think it's our 24th. And we we're like, oh. <laughs> like, oh, well, we still went to Cabo. It was great. <laughs> but um, <laughs> We had an awesome 24th. Yeah, we did. <laughs> but um, so we've been married a long time, and we, we did, um, we worked together for a long time, you know, the duck commander and the family business, and so it's definitely a test in patience that you learn about. But for, for doing the show for us, we just, I mean, we really just pray, spent a lot of time in prayer before we did the show, and then the decision about doing the show, and came together a family, and really just, we laid it before God and was like, God, if this is not of you, and for you, and through you, and um, then take it away. You know, this is, this is we, we know that this is not about us. That's right. My, um, <clears throat> this has only happened to me one time. My daughter, Leslie, um, uh, walked, into our, walked into our bedroom one night, and she hands me this book, and she goes, Dad, this is an awesome book on parenting. You should read it. <laughs> So I did. And, the, and that, I, the, when I was done reading this, I thought, I have got to get these guys to Bayside, and I've got to get them to thrive. You wrote a book called Strong and Kind, and it's basically on develop, intentionally developing character. Okay, why did you write this, and why is it important to you? Well, it was something that we had, whenever our kids were little, I remember somebody asking me, like in just a women's Bible study, you know, what are the values you want to instill in your children? And um, strong and kind were kind of the first things that came to me. And I went home and I remember telling Willie, and it was just, you know, we, we had lived long enough to know that this world's not easy. There's going to be tough times, you know, there's going to be ups and downs. So you need that strength that comes to the knowledge that God is with you and he is for you and, and through him, you know, nothing can, nothing can shake you. And so um, that strength that is just rooted in him. And then kindness is just for others. You know, we just wanted kids that were kind and compassionate and thoughtful. And so we, we really were intentional about instilling those values in our kids. But then we were actually, um, I was having a conversation with this young, young guy and that's kind of a crazy story, how this young guy ended up at our house. We were going, since Bob's here, I'll tell that story, because Bob probably doesn't even know this. We were going to, um, I had read Bob's book, and I just like tweeted it, oh my goodness, have you read Love Does? This is amazing. And Bob um, direct messaged me or something through Twitter and was like, come to our, our lodge in Canada. And I was like, yes. And then I told Willie, we're going to Bob's Lodge in Canada. Willie had not read the book at that time, so he was not so sure about going to Bob's Lodge in Canada. I said, absolutely not. I'm yeah. Like, oh, whoever your friend Bob is, I'm out. <laughs> you and John Luke and said he can go. Let me know how it went. So he was supposed to go on another trip with me that he didn't really want to go on, so I was like, I'll trade you. You gotta, if you come there to Canada, you, you don't have to go to the other one. So he's like, okay. So, um, so somehow uh, we were at two different things or whatever, and we were meeting, and Willie reads the book, Love Does, on the way you to You left Canada. it beside the bed and said, read this on the way to the trip. <laughs> That's what she did with a big note on it. So, <laughs> so Willie reads the book on the way, and he gets so inspired by Love Does that the driver that brings him from the airport to the hotel that we were staying, Willie invites him to come live with us for the summer. <laughs> and tells This is the height of you know, Duck Dynasty, too. So. Yeah. 
<laughs> like, and uh, yeah. So he starts talking about how he really wants to go to seminary, this, this young guy, how he always wanted to go to seminary. And Willie said, okay, I'll pay for you to go to seminary, but you have to come and spend some time with us in the summer, bring your wife and just drop everything you're doing. And come. I mean, this is what Bob's book will do to you. Like when you read this book, this is the kind of thing you do. So he, he did this. And so this kid and his wife come and live with us for about three months. And, um, and I was having a conversation with him and he was, he's probably 25 years old. And he was telling me how um, he had grown up in the church and he sang in the church choir and all of this, and um, his parents were Christians, but he had really lost his way for a while. He had gotten into drugs and alcohol and really didn't even know if he believed in God for a little while. And I said, why do you think that happened? Because I'm really intrigued by that because I'm like, you know, we're trying to raise our children right. Like, why, why do kids go off whenever they're raised this way? And um, so I said, why do you think that happened? And he said, well, my parents said they value the things that God valued, but they live like they valued the things the world valued. And I was like, wow. And I thought, how often do we do that? We tell our kids, oh, we want you to be compassionate. We want you to be generous. We want you to be this. But we spend all our time and our energy striving for the things the world values, like our success and our career and our home and our car and all those things. So what are we really showing them what, what we really value? Are we living what we say we value? And so that really hit me, and I thought, okay, I think I need to write this book about that. <laughs> yep, and there's one thing I want you all to hear, because if it happened in here, um, it would have a ripple effect for generations. Your dad did something with your family regarding values. It involved vacations. Mm -hmm. Can you describe that? Because that's actually the whole last part of the book is that. Yeah. So my dad... Um, my dad is the kind that, like, he loves to read, and he gives you, like, if he reads something that he thinks you're, like, are interested in, he'll, like, bring it to you, you know, or email you, or he just loves to, like, pour into people in that way. But when we were kids, he, um, he started something, it was called the Howard Family Legacies for Principles, of, it's a long title, something about Legacies for Christian Living or whatever. So every time we would go on um, vacation, we would take time as a family to sit down and just add to this. And it was just values that our family knew were important. And it was things like, and we all had to contribute to it. And we all just kind of sat down and talked about it. And it was things like people are more important than things. And things like, um, you know, kindness matters. Just simple things and just, just about things about grace or whatever we had learned that year that we just was our values and what we wanted our family to be like, this is what we hold on to. This is what we know is important. And so um, we did that all growing up um, at family vacations, and it was just important to our family. And so, you know, when we got married, we came from really different backgrounds. I would have loved to have went on a vacation when I was a kid. It <laughs> would have been awesome. <laughs> we we grew up differently. A little bit different backgrounds and stuff. But, um, but, also, but the values were the same as far as your family had... Um, you know, a lot of the same values our family did. And so we were just trying to be intentional about that, about instilling that in our kids. Isn't that cool? The, I mean, if there were ever a time in the history of our country where people needed to intentionally develop values. Heard somebody say a while back, man, this is like the Kodak country. They're overexposed to everything but underdeveloped. And, um, and this is the, uh, the, I've said this when you're not around, it's the single best book I've ever read on character development and I read it cover to cover. I usually don't do that. And, and I literally was going, I'm giving this away. And my daughter, Leslie, was exactly right about this book. So well done. Well, there's something to be said. I think really the overriding message, I think, for 
<clears throat> Corey and I with our children was really to live it out in front of them. We saw that in yeah. all of our parents. We saw people live it out, and then we strived the same way to see what we had seen. And I want to say this about, uh, and I'll keep bragging on Bob because uh, I love him, uh, even though I almost didn't go there initially to meet him. Uh, I, you know, Bob is like that, and he's so infectious and when he does things. And I find myself, what I'm saying, like my kids, I... I literally think, like, what would Bob, what would Bob say in this situation? <laughs> and uh, I've said that multiple times. And then I try to do things and, and have that childlike attitude. And so, and I'm, I want to share, I, I didn't want to share this, but I will share it. So today we were on the runway in L.A. We went back to the uh, hub three times for three different uh, things with this plane. And so people are getting very angry. And I'm just sitting there thinking, <clears throat> I'm going to meet with Bob and see Corey and I'm going to be at this thing. And I'm just going to sit here and be as happy as I can be. And I'm going to say this, and I was going to be private, but I want Bob to know this because he's inspired so many people and I want to help inspire you as well. And so during all these delays, I, I sit here and I listen to the two uh, uh, ladies, the, the flight attendants talking. And one of them was talking about how she had medical bills and she didn't have any money. And so I keep listening, listening, listening. So I thought, this will be the perfect way to do something like Bob would do. So I took my ticket and I folded it up and I just wrote in there. I said, God loves you, love does. And I took all the money on my wallet, rolled it up. So when I left the plane, I said, that's for you and took off. I don't know what happened. I don't know. I'm sure she smiled, but that's because of Bob, what he's done to inspire me. And love does those kind of things. Great. That's cool. We are out of time, but I'm going to ask two more questions anyway. We'll just have to get at it quick. Um, the, how many of you are parents? How many of you have teenagers right now? We'll be having a prayer meeting afterwards. How many, <laughs> how many of you have got grown kids? Okay. Um, if you could speak to every discouraged parent in America and tell them one thing, what would you tell them? I'd just say don't give up, you know, just, mm. just keep loving them. And, you know, a lot of times we think parenting is the, just the best example of how our father feels about us, how we just love them no matter what. There's nothing they can do. There's height nor depth or anything can separate um, us from God's love for us nor us for our kids. So just keep loving them. And um, I have a funny story about my, my 15-year-old. He was, has been our strong-willed child when, um, when he was little, yeah, he literally would give this look. We would call it, we would call it like the death stare, and it would be like, I think I could take you. Like he was three, and he would like look at you like uh, he's sizing you up, like trying to decide could he take you. And sometimes I would think he, he might could. Like he was that, he's, he's strong, he's strong-willed. And so this just happened not so long. So he, this child constantly loses his phone. He just, it's just, you know, it's just a, you get the phone back, then you lose the phone. It just keeps happening. So one day we were traveling and Will, oh, I said his name. Well, anyway, that's, that's the kid that did this. Whoever this so, is. Exactly. One of our children who's. Let's named, call him Will. Let's call him Will. So, <laughs> it's a common name. So, um, my mom, my mom lives next door and, and she stays with them whenever my parents live next door. And, um, so he calls my mom from school and is like, our housekeeper was coming to the house that day. And he says, um, tell Veronica not to clean my room. That I mean, I'll just take care of it. You know, there's okay. no reason. Veronica cleans our house. If yeah, she's our housekeeper. <laughs> it's like, tell her that there's no need for her to go in my room today. I, I'll just take care of it. You know, I know she, she works really hard. Yeah, right. So immediately my mom's like, okay, something up. 
So my friend, who is my best friend, who is five feet tall and tiny, and I'm like 5'11", so we're hilarious together. She goes over and climbs through our doggy door because our door was locked because she's like, I know he's got something in that room. So she climbs through the doggy door and goes up and finds a phone that someone had given him or something he wasn't supposed to have, you know, and it's like the evidence, you know, but I'm like, you know, this kid, he just keeps doing it. Like, you're like, you know, you're going to get in trouble. You know, we're going to catch you. You're like, why do you keep doing it? But he just keeps doing it. But you think about us as God's children too, you know, like why God's like, look, and I was like, why? I'm trying to give you everything. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to be there for you, but you keep, you keep doing it. And so I think it's just that analogy. I always think about that analogy about myself to the father and just, he just never gives up on us. And so we just keep loving them and don't give up. We don't give up because you never know. Uh, when I think about my father who was, who was really just a drunk and uh, uh, breaking the law. He was running from the police. He lived in the woods. He's just the kind of guy you don't want to be around or you certainly don't want your children to be around. Um, and at that time of his life, uh, Somebody didn't give up on him. You know, mom didn't give up on him. A pastor went up there to talk to him. He turned his life around, and that one guy making that one decision affected not just our lives, but if you think about it, theoretically millions of lives you know, through our television show. So that's why we don't give up on anybody, because you never know who that person is going to be. We're going to end with that thought. Don't give up on yourself. God may have brought some of you here tonight so you could hear he's still not done working on the life of your kids. God may be working in your kids even when you don't realize God's working. We have a very, very big God, so don't give up. Ladies and gentlemen, let's say thank you to Willie and Corey. God bless. Thank you. See you guys. Good stuff again from Willie and Corey. Corey's new book, Strong and Kind is out now, so that's a great resource, a great book for men and women both. Pick that up. We highly recommend it. And watch some of the episodes of Duck Dynasty. Some of you probably out there in podcast land have never seen an episode. It's entertaining. It really is. I love it. Even though that is not my background, my experience, I love it, man. Those guys are entertaining. Yeah. And they really do have a business that oh, creates yeah. duck calls. As a duck hunter, I grew up trying to learn how to duck call, which is a pretty tough thing to figure out. I mean, it's not one of those things you just start and 10 minutes later, you figured it out. You have to work at it. You have to listen to people. You have to, you know, spend some time. And the duck commander, which is the duck call that the Robertson family has been known for for 40 years. I mean, Willie's dad, Phil, started the company. The duck commander is the easiest call. And this is coming from a duck hunter. Okay. The easiest call to learn on. So among the duck hunting world, when you're using a duck commander, especially the like lower end sort of elementary version, the wooden call, it's one of the easiest ones to learn how to call on. And then they have, you know, their higher end, which get into like reeds within the call that are harder to create the sound. But once you create it and you know how to create it, it's a better sound. Mm. So they have different levels, but the sort of the beginner duck commander is the one that, you know, all my friends, including myself, we learn how to call ducks on the old duck commander. Wow. So this was way before... Before the show. Before the before show. Before, I mean, I knew of Duck Commander because it was my favorite call that I learned when I was in middle school. Wow. You know, at the time, be an average duck caller. So they've got the legitimate brand and they business do. and a good product. That's, yes, that's they're, great. They're not just this all of a sudden reality, reality like, show yeah. that showed up on the scene and they're leveraging, you know, an average company that creates duck calls for an above average reality show. They've always been very respected 
within the duck call community and the duck hunting community. So that's a little insider baseball there for you. That is. Yeah. Well, if you're loving this interview and you haven't subscribed yet, what are you doing? Yeah, come on. Come on. Get in there. There's uh, all kinds of good stuff coming up too. Also, Mr. Brad, we've yes. got a brand new product. We do have a new product that everybody needs to pay attention because yeah. this might be one of those resources you look back on 2017 or 2018 mm-hmm. and say, this was a game changer for me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think for those who go to Thrive Conference and experience one of those conferences, whether it's the leadership or the the apologetics, a lot of them are going, how do I take some of these resources into the everyday life and work? And so now we have Thrive 365, a way to not only just view and access previous conference content, but you get all kinds of really cool tips and hacks and new content that I think is coming from incredible leaders and stuff we can actually use. Yeah, this is basically your daily resource curriculum, you might call it, Mm -hmm. to allow you to continue to grow as a leader. And the in-between of Thrive Conferences is the part where sometimes it's hard to know sort of what track to get on. Right. And so we wanted to create a system, a process that you could plug into pretty easily and be able to grow your leadership on a daily, regular basis. Exactly. So you go to thriveconference.org, go to the store and look for Thrive 365. The cool thing is it's so affordable, you know, $9.99 a month. Who can't afford that? You know what I mean? $999 a a month? I mean, that's incredibly (laughs) practical and affordable. $9, Brad. Oh, sorry, man. That's even a better deal. It's cheaper than your coffee, bro. I'll tell you what, it's cheaper than my Netflix subscription. Oh, yeah. It's cheaper than my Amazon Prime subscription. It's cheaper than my Apple Music subscription. Mm -hmm. So it's coming in there like mid-level on the old list of subscriptions I got working. Absolutely. But it's adding way more value. And it's for your church and for your own personal leadership. Get it. Thrive 365 and get all that goodness that's in there. If you're trying to reach us, which we always welcome that as well, podcasts at thriveconference.org. Hit us up there. Regardless of where you hang out, social media, online, digital, analog, we're glad you're on this journey with us. Yeah. We're glad you're part of the Thrive community. You're listening to the podcast. Tell your friends about it. Subscribe, rate, review online. Go to iTunes or anywhere else and, and keep listening because we hope we're adding value. hope we're taking you somewhere. We hope we're giving you some nuggets to be able to put into practice. Thanks to our guests on this episode, Willie and Corey Robertson of Duck Dynasty. Thanks to the Grand Pooba, the Bishop, Senior Pastor, the Man with the Plan, Ray Johnson, for doing a great interview. As we always say, we want you to be a healthy leader and have a thriving church. Until next time, this is the Thrive Leadership Podcast. This has been the Thrive Leadership Podcast. To download, re-listen to, and share this episode, go to thriveconference.org.